Welcome back to the Decoy Doggers podcast. I'm your host, Homer Janes. Uh, today we're, we're talking with Scott Hampton. Uh, he's a Oklahoma dogger. Um, have pretty good conversation. I, I don't know if there's a lot of dogging info in there, but there's a lot of hunting info and good conversation. So stay tuned. Scott, appreciate you joining us on the podcast today. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Hey, so for those out there that that may not know who you are, tell us about you. Tell us about your country and your dogs. Uh, Well, I live in Oklahoma. I live in Tulsa. I hunt south of here mostly. And I've been hunting coyotes for about 13 years. And um, the dogs that I have right now, I've got a Patterdale Terrier and a half Jag, half Donovan Pincher dog that uh, Seth Simpson sent me when I had when one of my other dogs got hurt a couple of years ago. Okay, those that's what I'm running right now, and I think I I feel like I've had some pretty nice dogs along the way, but the two that I have right now are just uh, they're the best I've ever had, and they're. I wish I was a little younger where I could do them justice a little better. <laughs> well, you just need to hurry and retire so you can use them a little more, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, so you, you've been hunting coyotes for 13 years or you've been dogging for about 13? Probably 12 with the dogs. Okay. Uh, the first year I just, um, I just uh, hunted and that was back before everybody was a coyote hunter right and i was i i knew that ground was key so i started accumulating as much ground as i could and um i was watching the sportsman channel one of the one of the channels and there's this video or this show's playing and there's two dogs running around out there and coyotes are following them and they're chasing (laughs) them and back and forth and all that and it was uh cal taylor yeah and uh it was called i think it was called coyote hunting has gone to the dogs and i never liked dogs never had a dog not a dog person (laughs) and i told my wife i'm like i want to do that yeah i want to do that so So, um that's uh what what how did you get your first dogs what were your first dogs and what was your experience there well, my first dog, you know, I got on the internet. I'll try to make this short and sweet, but oh, I got on the internet and, you know, some stuff pops up and first, first thing that pops up is what you pursue. And, uh, that's the route that I went and I wasted about a year and a half spinning my wheels there. And I had several people polite me, try to tell me, yeah, that's not the way to go. And, I just, I couldn't see it. And what then all what of type sudden, of dogs were they? This dog was, uh, I think he was half bulldog and half some cur cross okay. type dog. Okay. Yeah. And his, his, the father of that dog actually came from one of the government trappers here in Oklahoma. Uh-huh. But. Um, but that dog, you know, I bought this pup, paid to have this pup trained and all that. And I don't think a whole lot of anything went on there. And then I just, um, 
went another route and had a guy find me a a dog that actually came from some from some hog hunters in texas and she was uh half catahoula three-eighths black mouth and an eighth bulldog okay her name's girl dog and she's still going strong there's a guy named colton paschal or i think that's the proper pronunciation of his name in texas that has her she's she's still hard at it okay but uh i got her and then shortly thereafter i started looking for some smaller in catahoulas and uh, met a guy named chris mcdaniel whose family's from louisiana and he had a 12-week-old female that was on the smaller end, and she she's about 42, 43 pounds. My buddy Kyle actually has her now, and she's eight. But um, I bought her, and then I had her and Girl Dog, Katie and Girl Dog, and just hunted them. And then, of course, on Predator Masters, they are always talking about Patterdale Terriers. I didn't have a clue what a Patterdale Terrier was. All I knew is what I read. They were crazy. They were uncontrollable. They were insane. They were psycho. Just super high nothing, prey drive. Nothing, yeah. nothing about them did you want. They were just bonkers. Yeah. And you can't, no way you can decoy with one. Yeah. And I'm just the type of person that if you tell me that I can't, I'm going to do everything within my power to show you that I can't. Right. So. I uh, I get to looking them up, and there's a video on YouTube, a Patterdale Terrier in a pen with a hog, and it looks like a Catahoula, and this little black dog is just terrorizing this pig. Yeah. And I was like, holy crap, that's what I want. Yeah. So <laughs> I posted on Facebook, hey, what about Patterdale Terriers, blah, 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 and a guy that I hunt on, he said, hey, my cousin has those. Let me give you his number. So I get in touch with this guy and I told him, like, hey, I'd like to have a dog. I'd like a little red female. He goes, well, my male dog has got, there's a dog bred right across the line in Coffeyville, Kansas, and I get a pup. He said, the guy wants two red females, so if there's three, you'll get them. So there's three born and um, about oh, two days later, the third one of the females died so i'm gonna have to wait for the next litter sure. which is fine no big deal sure. he calls me at about five and a half weeks and he said hey he goes that guy's just going to keep one female so there's one available for you and i'm like awesome so i go up there to get her and there's five or six pups just jumping all over the place going crazy and then there's this little red dog hunkered up in the corner like she'd just been whipped uh-huh. and of course of course that was mine and i'm thinking crap what have i got into and so we take her, and I'm driving home, and I told my boy, I said, she sure is a little poop. So her name was Poop. Okay. And that was the most phenomenal dog I have ever owned in my life. And there is not a moment that goes by that I don't think about her. I still, people send drawings, uh, mugs, cups, blankets, shirts. It's crazy. I'm liable to get something related to Poop in the mail from overseas tomorrow. It's nuts. How, how do they, I mean, how do they know about her? People just know who Poot is through the terrier world and okay. through the decoy dogs. And, um, of course, you know, catch a lot of static from the terrier guys sure. because I wasn't. Now, don't get me wrong. I dug to her. She was an earth dog. You know, there were, there's a couple of times she is in the ground over 24 hours. Oh, yeah. You know, digging to her and, you know, they wear those locator collars that, you carry that little box and it tells you exactly how deep they are. Yeah. So you know where to dig. So she got used for terrier stuff. She just got used for other stuff too. Sure. But 
man, she was she was just my world. And when I lost her, it it just it it turned my life upside down. No, I'm sorry. How long ago was that? It's been a little over four years. Sure, sure. Yeah, but you know, and what's crazy is I've got another red terrier that's a year and a half old. She's eight years younger than Poot, born on the same day. Uh huh. It was just like. And I had a full sister to her that died in the ground. And, uh, but the one I got now, her name's Angel. And it's just like, oh man, she looks so much like her. So what are you, but, what are you sending them after in the ground? Are you just dens? Or whatever they find. Badgers they, or what? We don't have a lot of badgers around here. Okay. We've, we've hit some badger holes, never have gotten a hold of one, uh-huh. but lots of coons, oh, yeah. uh, possums armadillos hmm. uh sometimes you get around the pond there'll be muskrats oh sure groundhogs and just they just they put their nose down and hunt i think a lot of guys like up east back east or whatever you want to call it where there's a lot of foxes they know sure. where fox dens are so they literally walk their dog to the hole and turn them loose oh, yeah. my dogs have to put their nose down and go find stuff yeah, it's a sure. little bit different down here but i love i love the terrier thing too but um sometimes that digging is sure is hard on me <laughs> i bet so uh, how do they decoy how would you say you said that you had some some cur crosses and and whatnot so how do they do in comparison to a cur on a decoy um i've got mila that's one that i'm running with the other dog the other dog that i got from seth her name's hooker (laughs) so i got hooker and mila and when i got mila i drove about eight hours down into texas because i thought she was going to be a 10 or 11 pound terrier Uh well it turns out she weighs 27 pounds okay so we kind of converted, you know, changed the deal with her, but they're, they're like anything else. I mean, they've all got insane prey drive, but I think the bad rap that a lot of those dogs take the Patterdales, especially is those guys that do terrier work. Those dogs are, st- they stay on a chain spot. Yeah. They don't get a whole lot of interaction, get fed, get watered, patted on the head. And that's about right. it. I handle my dogs every day. Yeah. I've got a kennel out here, and on the days that I can't turn them loose back here and just let them run and play, there's about a 60 by 120 foot space when I'm washing the kennels down and all that. They run around, and I pet them and play with them, and they just, I interact with them a lot. Yeah. So they're much more controllable. Well, and when they're fresh, you know, they're wound tight, so they got to yeah. run off a little bit of steam. But as far as on stand, um, Daisy, I used her forever. Um, they, they're like anything else. Uh, you know, they go out there, you know, they come to the tone and rarely do I have to tone any of them. Um, like if it's the first stand and we haven't hunted in a few days, they might be a little wound up and I might have to beep them to get them to come back. But for the most part, they're, um, they're not a whole lot, lot different. Um, well, and they're smart, you know, they're, you know, you say that you, you know, they're, they're kind of your pets as well. Right. Um, where a lot of those terrier guys, like I said, is they just use them for one purpose, but this was brought yeah. up in another podcast that, that I did that, uh, you know, those dogs, when you're decoying, they're, they're being territorial to you. And so if they don't have a bond with you, you said that you got that one dog that, you know, had some training or whatever sounds like maybe that dog just wasn't connected to you 
You know what I mean? And so maybe it just wasn't. He was my first one and he got to come in the house and he, he was, I think, you know, I found that maybe one out of eight or nine dogs make it. They just, they just, that's just seems to be what I have found in my experience. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, but again, whenever I'm not being able, like Seth, for example, Seth breeds with intent. Right. And he's a step ahead because he knows what he's shooting for and he's made the combination that should produce that. So that helps. Right. Not taking, and believe me, I'm not taking anything away from Seth, right. but I didn't always have that hand-picked dog. Right. Yeah. And yeah. You, yeah. you, you get a dog and first eight months of its life, you know, I try to get dogs that are going to be eight, eight months or older come April and you know here you've got all that time and effort and not that i do a whole lot with them in that time but right. just the time waiting wondering this dog going to make it this dog going to have what it takes and so that's that was one of the deals that was kind of rough with that but i think i had to bond with that dog he just he just didn't have it yeah well and there's there's been dogs that i mean so i have black mouth curs and there's been pups out of the out of the litters that I just I refuse to sell to uh, to decoy guys or to hunting homes. You know what I mean? I just mm-hmm. wanted them to go to pet homes because I didn't feel like they were going to cut make the cut. So you're right. There's yeah. I mean there's dogs that I I've always said that I think any dog will decoy to some degree as long as they're not gun shy and they'll go out right. Um, but what's your standard of decoy? Is it, well, is it to walk out 20 yards and look at them and maybe bark? Or is it to go, you know, push them four or 500 yards and then turn around and then push them and turn around, push them and turn around? Or, you know, some guys, their standard is if there's a howl three quarters of a mile away, that dog better be going out to him. You know what I mean? So it really just depends on what your standard of decoy is. My standard I is agree. I want I that agree. dog to work its butt off until I'm ready to shoot. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of guys that are going to say, yeah, my dog will go to a howl this far away. Well, I've got two over here that will go to a howl now, five, six, 700 yards. Probably not. But my thing with that is if my dog has to go over a quarter of a mile to where those coyotes are, the chances of, them coming back very far because there's i mean what are they protecting why are they going to leave where they're at and travel unless they're just out hunting or whatever and have left the den most of the time it's not beneficial and i think you know i think there's a lot of guys that make claims that just simply their dogs can't back up well but i i will say um that I, i i think that you're right specifically in your territory but like out here where i'm at in idaho there might be, you know, one pair of coyotes every two miles, right? And so, yeah, yeah I think they will come 700 yards. Now, my well, that, dogs yeah, won't go that's to 700. True. That's true. I And uh, I forget about terrain yeah. a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. There were discussion the other day. Um, I asked the guys, like, why do you not sit in a chair? Right. And he's in South Dakota, and I was I was in South Dakota not very long ago, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm sorry. I know exactly why you don't yeah. sit there. <laughs> yeah, I sit on the ground. I, you know, yeah. it's, well, not on the ground. I've, I've got a, I've got a slide dog chair, but I mean, it's, it's, it's on the ground because again, so, so I will say yes, in, in areas like yours, that's tighter cover maybe, 
a um, little bit denser in coyotes per square mile, maybe. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. Those coyotes probably aren't going to come seven, eight hundred miles or seven, eight hundred yards. But I've watched in my binoculars coyotes come from well over eighteen hundred yards, and um, be, just because of, I mean, we're wide open and there's just less yeah. less coyotes in in this area per square mile. Yeah, and I've I've got a video, just a phone video from Montana a couple of months ago and this coyote came in and it had to be from a long ways off because the dogs probably had to go 400 yards just to where it was at right and uh it went back and forth a couple of times but it it never got closer i think the guy was with shot it at 378 yards yeah so and see i've had uh, some like that too because out here it seems like they're they're it's it's really interesting they'll either pick you know natural um, territorial borders or like a fence line or a two track dirt road, something like that, that they'll feel like that that's their territory and they're just not going to cross it. If the dogs come back to me across it, they kind of stop right there. And that might be 600 yards away. That might be 250 yards away, whatever it is. But that's why I think it's important to be willing to move in on that coyote or mark it and just remember to come in differently Go and back. get set up a little closer to that borderline next time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but, but then if, again, I've, I've had cows come in long, long way away, but, uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, my dogs won't go out. I mean, if, if a coyote's howling at barking at them 300, 400 yards, they'll go that far to them, but yeah. they're not yeah, going to go my, a half mile. Yeah. And I think mine 300, maybe 400 yards is they're solid there but i don't like i and i can't control whether they go 300 yards or they go 500 yards but um i don't need them to go much farther than that most of the time right well and it's funny you say you run both females is that right Yes, all females. Yeah, I've never, I've, the only male dog I've had was the first one that I got. And <laughs> Soured I, you. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. What soured me was I pull up to a guy's house to see if I can get permission to hunt coyotes. And, you know, again, this has been 12 years ago, yeah. so new Ford trucks weren't $100,000. But yeah. my dog goes over and pisses on his $60,000 truck tire. Oh, yeah. Then he goes over there and pees on his wife's water hydrant for yeah. her flowers. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. You're killing and, this and, for me, dog. Yeah, yeah. And the females don't do that. Yeah. And that is the main reason that I hunt females. Well, and so, <laughs> yeah. So I was going to tell you, too. I've noticed just in the in six or eight dogs, I don't know how many I've, I've had, but um, my males will typically go out farther than my females will. Um, well, if right. It seems like my females hold tighter um, than what my males do f- from me. You know, my male, like this, this uh, rip dog that I've got right now, if he sees a coyote at 700 yards, he'll go to it. Maybe not a howl, but if he sees it, where yeah. where my females, they're only going to go out to about 300 max. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It just seems like a difference in, in male-female. To me, that's what my observation has been. And see, and I don't have anything to compare it to. Yeah. Huh. So were you, when you got your... Uh, your little your your little patterdale that you've got now. You said she's like twenty seven pounds. You were after kind of a twelve fifteen pound. I was after a ten or twelve pound. So that that were you gonna decoy with with that dog no. at that small? No. Okay. Earth dog. I was, Earth gonna, dog. I was gonna say, man, it just seems like Kyle would pick that thing up and take it with it. Oh, hey, 
Poot weighed 10 pounds. Oh, really? There, there's been several people that have seen Poot go for a ride, and it's a lot of times it's her latched on. Yeah, oh, yeah. But, you know, and she was too small. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I probably need my butt kicked for letting her do that. <laughs> well, but, but you always had a second dog with her, right? She, Yeah, but the problem, I mean, even if you had three dogs with her, if a coyote bites a dog that size, they can only take so much. Right. She had her back and her pelvis broken one time, uh-huh. uh, had a leg broken. That dog died. Not, she literally had nine lives. Yeah. But she loved it. She craved it. Yeah. And she wasn't an idiot. She she worked coyotes as good as these two dogs that I've got right here. Yeah. She knew how to work a coyote. And, um, you know, I've had I've been out with her before. Her and Daisy. Daisy's a dog that I've got now that's semi-retired. And Daisy weighs about 16 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had, you know, called coyotes in and those two dogs be going out to coyotes just at a lope. Right. A pair of coyotes turn and shag and not come back. Right. And um, so, but, you know, you know, you can't make these dogs do it. No. You, you know, if, if you give me a dog that'll go to a coyote, I can make a decoy dog right. out of it. And, and get it I, to turn around. On, yeah, when you I, I can, you know, I've had some ranked dogs that wanted to just jump up and run off and give me two hot dog weenies in about 15 minutes and I have them tone broke. Yep. It's, you know, it's not that, and I'm not a dog trainer. Yeah. That's simple. Yep. I mean, dead gum, beep them back, pet them, give them a bite of hot dog and then take off walking, let them get ahead of you. Then yeah. after about three times, like you said, they're, they're hooked yeah. on to you. So, um, size wise, how big is this dog you got from Seth? She weighs 41. Okay. So this would be a good comparison. So that 41 pound dog is about the size of coyote, probably a little bit stouter, maybe a little bit shorter. Is that right? No, she's taller. Okay. A little bit, little leggier, a little longer bodied. So when, when, let's say a pair of coyotes come in or a triple come in, um, Typically, do you see that that the coyotes kind of uh, look at your patterdale a little more, or look at at the bigger dog a little bit more and, and chase it? And, uh, one until or the until the action starts, like from what I've seen, and this is just my experience hunting with dogs from ten pounds to forty plus pounds. When those dogs go out, if those coyotes are going to run off, it doesn't matter if there's two 10-pound dogs or two 50-pound dogs. They're going to run off. Now, once the action starts, um, I've got a clip that I can actually send you. I had three dogs. I think I might have sent it to you. I had three dogs out there, and that one coyote, he just nails poot (laughs) so that was the poot dog yeah that was a cool video that was poot yeah he just he hammered her so after the action starts they will be more aggressive towards the The smaller one yeah Mm -hmm. and see that's you know i've i've always said i want a 50 to 55 maybe even up into the 60 65 pound range just because i want a dog that that'll handle themselves you know against a triple on its own but i think there's a lot of validity to having a 30, 35 pound, just because it's a little bit more tempting for a coyote to, to, uh, you know, they, they see it as a, the little mouthy, you know, kid with, uh, uh, little man syndrome type deal that, well, they're just going to go pick on you for a little while. You know what I mean? Uh, easier to pick on a, a 30 pound dog than a 60 pound dog. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think, 
you know, Mila, Mila is like a little tank. So uh-huh. she's, uh, last year they went to some house, they went down, they crossed a Creek and the fight was on Right. and they, they wore her out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when they came back, they came back, hooker came around the corner, had one behind her. And then here comes Mila with two behind her and we got them all three killed, but they, they thrashed her pretty good. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, knock on wood hooker or Katie, either one, Katie's never had an injury. Neither has hooker somehow. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's pretty good. Cause even like I said, my rip dogs, oh, 50 pounds. I mean, he's, he's got a bad scar on his ear that bleeds every winter just because, you know, a coyote ripped it. But, um, yeah, but, uh, but yeah. And I've seen guys that, have shown pictures, you know, coyotes flat tore apart, not tore apart, but ripped open a dog or, you know, whatever. But the, yeah, the, now hookers had her ears cut up a few times. Yeah. I, um, I piddle around at night. I found that the coyotes are somewhat aggressive year round at night. Uh-huh. And, uh, that's not really my thing, but you know, I do go some and, uh, they'll definitely, they definitely are a little more rank yeah. at night. So, so are you thermal or are you night vision or are you spotlight at night? Thermal. Yeah. So, and I hate it. Yeah. I so, wish they wouldn't have legalized it here. You won't be able to call a coyote down here in 18 months. Yeah. Well, and I have heard that, uh, some guys have said that, you know, places that, that thermal is getting bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually a lot of guys are starting to spot and stock with thermal. So that's all right, but yeah. you know, yeah. But um, well, <laughs> but, but they say that, you know, that it's actually almost improved the day hunting just because you know uh, at night cows are skittish when they hear a call uh, because of so much thermal. But uh, it's starting to make day hunting a little bit, you know, tilting it a little bit. Uh, that'd be that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you like uh, the thermal as much? I just don't. I mean. <laughs> And I, I, I say this jokingly, uh, anybody can kill coyotes at night. Yeah. And I say that jokingly, but I got places that are so assed up, you can't buy a coyote. Yeah. And I can go down there at night and shoot the crap out of them. Yeah. I have coyotes downwind of me at 75 yards just standing there looking. Yeah. And, um, but I know, you know, it, don't get me wrong, it's fun. But I just, I'm more about the dog thing and getting to see all of it. And what you can see through the thermal is limited. You know, you don't get to see it all. You've kind of got to scan and keep up and all that. But, um, I I would agree with you. That's, I think that's why I really haven't gotten into the night deal. I just enjoy the dogs and the action on the dogs so much. Yeah. And it, it takes a special dog to decoy at night. Yeah. Tell you that right now. Yeah. It takes a special dog to do that yeah jordan ham i don't know if you know who he is but but his dogs that's all he does is decoys at night and uh and he said that yeah it's it takes a special dog because they can't you know can't really go off off site they have to go off scent at first and then once they kind of get around the coyotes then it you know is a little different but uh yeah but anyway yeah it, it it your your average dog is is yeah it takes a special dog to do it at night like about night like tonight three quarter moon it's a little brighter out they have some sight there but when it's real dark out and all that and you know it's just it's a different deal and um it's 
it's interesting, but it's just, if I'm going to go at night, I'd rather just go shoot coyotes. Well, and I was listening, <laughs> yeah, I, I was listening to a, a podcast. I remember which podcast it was. Uh, I, I just had to make a trip down to Arizona. So I had 13 hours one way in the car <laughs> by myself. So of course I'm listening to podcasts the whole way. But um, they said that uh, on full moons, coyotes are less active on a full moon. And they I've s- heard that. They said that they I've thought that. that it was because, you know, prey and whatnot could see them better. Where if it's darker, you know, they're more active because they can out-see their prey uh, yeah. in the darker conditions. But Yeah, I've, I've heard that. I don't, I don't know. I, ha- I don't have enough experience nighttime hunting to to really have an opinion on that but i have heard that yeah i thought it was interesting because i always thought it would be the different that because i know you know like deer and elk are more active you know with full moon um than they are at a new moon uh but but they this guy said that it was just the opposite with coyotes they're more active with a with a new moon than a full moon in his experience I shouldn't say that's, you know, I have yeah. to always qualify that, right? Because there's... Yes, I do. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> I do too. Because there's somebody that's always, you know, had different experience um, and, and can say the other way. But anyway, uh, so when you uh, first started decoying, um, did you have help along the way or were you just watching YouTube videos or, or how'd you... I had, I had a lot of help. Um Back when I started, there were still what I believe you could call secret sounds. And there were just a handful of guys that had them and would share them. And I got in, you know, um, Kelly Jackson is a very dear friend of mine. Jeff Ryder. uh, There's a guy that was a government guy in South Dakota named Randy Rohde that he and his wife were killed in a head-on collision for three, four, five years ago. Oh, um, I learned more about coyotes from Randy Rohde than anybody. Never spoke to him on the phone, never met him in person. I missed a phone call from him one day, and he left me a voice message, and I wish like crazy that I could have saved that voice message. But uh, everything was through text and, and messenger. And he would just, he'd feed me a little bit and he'd let me go and then come back to him with, with some findings, so to speak. And he would just, he just, you know, we, we learned the coyote cycle of life. What makes that coyote tick? And the main thing that he told me, he goes, they live in a black and white world. Do not for one second think that coyote is coming down this trail to drink out of this Creek for this reason. (laughs) Okay. He said, he said, you can't think like a coyote. They live in a black and white world, and about the time you think you've got them figured out, they will show you differently. Yeah. So I always kept that in the back of my mind. Yeah. And then um, there's a guy in Wyoming, um, the guy who I saw on TV, Cal Taylor. Sure. Um, I, I um, peck at Cal for all kinds of information. I listen to anything he's on and I think I'm a little more of a student of the game than some people are. Sure. So I, I dissect every word yeah. and I took and read major Boddicker stuff. There's a guy named Ray Alcorn, those guys that were living in Arizona and New Mexico out in the desert in the sixties and seventies that had, you know, PhD level guys, uh, just rich, rich Higgins. I talked to rich on the phone 
occasionally I actually I need to give him a call see how he's doing but um, just guys that have got a vast amount of knowledge I just I soaked up everything they were willing to tell me if they suggested that I read something I read it right. um, and just learned everything I could about what made a coyote tick well and, and, and see I'll be honest with you that's kind of why I want to start this podcast is just because I, I mean I know very little <laughs> I I, I I've learned a lot, but uh, I just wanted to, to be able to talk to guys that are doing it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Not necessarily to to uh, get their quote-unquote secrets, but just to listen. You know what I mean? There, honestly, I don't know that there's any secrets left. We were, we were using fight sounds and stuff um, back before people knew what fight sounds were. Right. And there were only a handful of them. And then with Rick Paulette, coming out with you know all his sounds yeah. and then Tor- then tory Tor- cook with mfk all the live coyote stuff tebby has got a bunch yeah. yeah it just uh that that kind of has been a game changer and the what's unfortunate about it is it stop it doesn't work near as effectively as it used to yeah i had and what and i'm going to ask you this because nobody has been able to even come up with anything but scratching their head on this okay. there was a sound that um that i played typically if i hadn't called anything in i ended the stand with it or i played it after the first shot was fired okay any dog that i've ever had i don't care if the dog made it didn't make it i don't care if it's your neighbor's lap dog when that sound came on they would hackle up and run down there to the call and they were looking around it just it set something on fire inside of them. Past three or four years, I can play it. I've not had a dog that would even look at the call when it came on. Really? Why would domestic dogs do that for all those years and then stop? There's no reason that sound has never been anything to them. <laughs> it's not been a it's not been a dinner bell. It's not been a you're in trouble. It's nothing. Why why would they stop having any type of reaction to that sound? I I my only response would be just they've heard it so many times. But I've got a sound like that. No no no. I don't play it very often. Yeah. I've even like when Hooker and Mila first heard it. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Because I, I, there's a sound on, so I, I use both the Lucky Duck and the Fox Pro. Um, mm-hmm, same. But I've got, um, I've got one of the sounds on, I'm pretty sure it's on the Fox Pro. Every time I hit it, the dogs will run to the call. doesn't matter where they're at. Um, yeah. But anyway, but yeah, it's, it's interesting that they quit doing that on this particular sound that you're saying. And it's not, it's not dogs that used to do it that quit. It's like any dog that I ever took the first time they heard it. That was it, man. They were zoned in, going to it. Yeah. In the in the tenth time, they heard it, same thing. Yeah. Dogs now, like the first time they hear it, there's just no reaction to yeah. it. So I don't know. I've I've spent a lot of time trying to figure that out. I know I never will, but it just is interesting to me. You know, I was I listened to uh, you know Tory Cook gets on uh, on the uh, Fox Pro podcast every now and then, and yeah. uh, he something he said about. Uh, you know, that den of pups that he's got, you know, he'll go in and he'll set the call up so far, so far away and he'll just kind of play it, just see what the reaction of those coyotes are. And right. he said that, you know, there's, there's times where, um, you know, he'll roll through sounds and all of a sudden the sound will trigger the coyotes. 
and yep. the, those coyotes will trigger on that sound, you know, for a while. Uh, and then maybe one day they just don't, but then the next day they will, you know, the exact yeah. same sound. Um, so, yeah. so I don't know. I don't know if it's just moods. I don't know if yeah, it's I barometric don't, I don't pressure. Know I don't know if it's. Who knows? Yeah. It's, it, it baffles me, but it, you know, I don't lose sleep over it, but I do think about it a lot. Well, but I think we, we place a lot of human nature is almost to place human characteristics on everything, right? We, yes. we think that. Um, we, we, we try to, when people talk about educating coyotes, right? I do think that there's some validity to, you know, if you shoot at a coyote and he came in on, you know, say cagey cottontail, right? Well, maybe next time he's going to be a little bit, um, more cautious when he hears cagey cottontail or, or any rabbit distress or something like that. But at the same time, I think, I, I feel like I can still go kill that coyote. Right. Yes. And now here's something that I found very interesting. And I, I had already assumed this and Tori confirmed it for me, but they took three birds, blue jay, cardinal, and a starling. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, those aren't the birds for sure, but that's right. just three just birds. Example. Okay. Yeah. So they take this blue jay and they've got those, that first set of pups, those three pups, and I can't remember their names, but they're twisting on it and it's squawking and squeaking. He said those pups, they circled around, they wanted to see and they wanted to smell and they were hesitant. They hung back and they were like, you know, bobbing their heads and not real sure. They kill the bird, they fed it to them. Right. Next day, come back. Take that blue jay, squat, 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 squat. He said they circled around, got made visual, smelled it, and came right in, zoned right in. Right. Next day, they do the cardinal. They're hesitant. They're wanting to look. They're wanting to smell. Right. They're not real sure. They kill it, feed it to them. Same thing with starling. He right. said it's like one and done. It They learn that quick. Yeah. And not saying that that's going to apply to a coyote coming into a particular sound. Hell, it might just be that it was an electronic generated sound and they the all of a sudden or something. become yeah. leery of that. I don't, I don't know right. on that, but as far as them being smart in a, in a, that was more like a natural setting, but I thought that was so interesting that one time, and then they knew that that sound of that bird, what it was. Right. Hmm. Well, and I, I don't, I don't, I'd really like to talk to Tori, but I, I don't know what kind of country they have as far as, uh, like grasshoppers Pine and whatnot, trees. because, well, because, you know, I, out here yes. from, from June, mid June till end of August, these Galdan coyotes, they're, they're not even chasing rabbits or, I mean, they're, or gophers, they're, they're eating Mormon crickets and grasshoppers and you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of grasshoppers here. I don't know about down there where Tori's at. When I was down there, I know that I learned what a thermocell was. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The, the mosquitoes were terrible. I went down there and hunted with Tori and Dayton and they, they hunt some thick stuff. Yeah. Well, and, and to my point, I guess, you know, in, in September and October, those young pups, they're, they're just learning what a rabbit sounds like or what a bull sounds like, you know what I mean? Because they, there's no more grasshoppers, so they have to go kill a rabbit or go kill a, a vole or, uh, you know, something else yeah. because there's no more grasshoppers to eat. So I, I, that's, I think that's why young pups come in so hot in October 
because they just learned what that sound means to them. Well, you know what I mean? Tori and I had a discussion about, I have seen females be on a tree line or on the edge of a cut field and literally scold pups for coming out. Yeah. And he's seen it too. So I, I don't know. I think just it, chase them it, back it, into the it, tree it, line. Mm-hmm. I, and I think a lot of that genetically gets, passed down where they don't have to show them as much as they might have through a few years ago. That might be a little far-fetched, but I believe that. Well, and, and I think at that point, it's probably curiosity, right? Because they're obviously the, the male, female are still protecting the pups where, you know, in, in October, November around here, pups are pretty well on their own. You know what I mean? Same. Um, Same here. But, uh, so anyway, you're probably right though. Like, uh, you know, a month and a half, two months ago, I, heck, I don't know what the, cause I, during the summer, I, I rarely play pup dis- or uh, anything but pup distress, pup fights, um, howls, you know, uh, lone <laughs> pup howl or something like that. But, um, but usually for about the last, if I haven't seen anything in 12 minutes or so, maybe I'll turn on a, a rabbit distress just, just to see, you know, for a minute. Yeah. Um, but, and that could be happening at the, around the den where, you know, pups are starting to wander out a little bit. Mom says, no, get your butt back here. I'll teach you what that means later. Well, I can't remember, and this has been a few years ago. I can't recall what month it was, but we were at a spot, know where the coyotes are. I mean, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah. Get set up, went through, I mean, I've been 95% vocals since year two okay (laughs) year round doesn't matter what that's just see i kind of go away from it during the winter and well i'm out there and i've run through everything Mm -hmm. back then i had like my little sequence one boom 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 boom. that's just what i did every every stand and it worked and again that's back before everybody was a coyote hunter and it wasn't quite as hard to call them in but i'm i'm just sitting there i look over my buddy i'm like what's going on when I, mean, I know that down there, and I just went to snowshoe too. Okay. Beep, turn it on. <laughs> These three coyotes come running out of this creek like they were on fire. Right. One of the coolest stands that I've ever had. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> you don't have snowshoe down there in your country, do you? Oh, of course not. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say. I mean, we don't have, I don't know that we have nutty nut hats or, right. <laughs> or, or, or crazy bird or yeah. lucky bird or any of those either. Well, seeing we don't have gray Fox up here, but boy, I'll turn on that, that on uh Fox pros got a, maybe it's actually one of the Tory cooks sounds. I don't know. No, it yeah. can't be. I, I think it's on the Fox pro, but they've got a, a, a platinum gray or something like that. Platinum gray. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. I'll play it, you know, at the end of the end of a stand, just, Oh, absolutely. I play it all. I play, I mean, <laughs> it's not, people are like, what'd they come to? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, number <laughs> they, 14 or number 15. They came in nine know. minutes. That's all I know. <laughs> I'm not sure which one of them, what triggered them, but yeah. they they had several options. Well, and see, that's the thing too, is you'll be in a stand, maybe like nine minutes, like I said, um, and you switch sounds and all of a sudden this coyote pops out. But in mm-hmm. my country... That coyote probably had to come from a long way away, you know. Yeah. So who knows which one of the one exactly. of the sounds I yeah. called yeah. that actually triggered him and brought him close. 
and then he just pops up on 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 you know whatever it might be i'm I'm playing at nine or ten minutes that i just went to 30 seconds ago but that's when i see him so i i think i sometimes we incorrectly associate what they came into but that's just because that's just when you saw them yeah i'll send you a couple of videos later um and actually this place is half a mile to the north of where i live now Uh but there's a coyote that I could go in there and I could call him up nine times out of 10. Right. Never. I didn't want to kill him. Right. He was entertaining <laughs> and you can watch him. He'll turn and he'll leave and I'll switch sounds and he'll turn and he'll come back and I'll play a different sound and he won't have much interest and he'll go to leave and I'll play in that other sound and he'll come back yeah. and it's, it's neat. And I've had, you know, coyotes, the, the sounds that are triggering him to get him to turn around and come back. I've had coyotes that the sounds that he didn't like that they couldn't resist. Right. So there's, there's no method to it. And mm. as far as I can tell. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so when you were learning dogging, mm-hmm. what were, what do you feel were some of your biggest challenges and mistakes that you made? Uh, the biggest challenges in the beginning were I was just uh, impatient. And I learned, Kelly told me, he goes, because I, I, I had called him one day and I was like, man, I said, I'm sitting there. I said, I'm done. I said, I'm getting up. Certainly, you know, I get on my knee and I stand up. And I said, there's a coyote coming straight to the call. And I blew everything. He goes, why aren't you sitting in a chair? I'm like, I don't know. And he said, well, he said, if you raise your eye level 18 to 22 inches, just look at how much more you can see. Right. And he said, then get down and get on your knee, hands and knees, and put your head where your dog's head is. Right. He said, the slightest elevation change, that dog will not be able to see yeah. what you can see. Right. And so just patience. And I never was in a hurry to shoot them. Just, I felt like, you know, God dang, I need to be calling more coyotes. I need more coyotes. Um, and I think in the beginning, one of the big mistakes I made was putting a dead coyote in front of a pup. Okay. Okay. Because in my opinion, that, that's a predatory animal Uh and a domestic dog some pups mature quicker than others. Right. I've had like, like Katie, she was as mature at six months than most dogs are at nine. Okay. Um, but you take a puppy and you just flop down a dead coyote and start dragging it on the four wheeler or whatever. A lot of these guys like to do, man, that can scare one. Right. And I don't, I don't care whether it's my terriers, my decoy dogs, I don't put them in any situation for anything to scare them the first eight months of their life okay. at all. So, you know, I, I've, from the time mine are five weeks old, you know, my litters are five weeks old, I'll start playing with coyote tails, but not an actual, you know, dead coyote or whatever. Yeah. If, do you I do some of that? or? I haven't found that it's beneficial. Okay. I'm not saying don't do it. Yeah. I don't do it. Yeah. Um, one thing that I do know about litters, I don't have, when Daisy got hurt, I had her AI'd to a Catahoula male 
that I was trying to create my super dog. Uh-huh. And when, when those coyotes ripped her apart, they had to, they had to take the litter and all that. Oh, um, but the only other litter that I've ever had, I've got a full sister to poot and her and poot are as opposite as you could imagine. Right. And I had her bred to try to get me a little red female right. and she had all males. Yeah. So I didn't keep any of them, yeah. but there's a deal called super dog or something. It's sensory training. Okay. And any dog that you see that is a special forces dog, like the protection dogs and the service dogs and yeah. stuff like that, that they go to war with yeah. those dogs come from Belgium right. and from over there. You won't find one that was bred over here right. because of course we get them over here and we want to sell them for $1,200 and they sell junk and water it down. $3,200 for junk. Yeah. Yeah. But those dogs, there's a five-step process. One of them, you tickle their paw. You hold them with their head laid back. You tickle their paw with a Q-tip for so many seconds. Then you do something else. And then the last thing you do is you lay lay them flat on on a wet rag that's been in the refrigerator. It's sensory training. Okay. And I can tell you from what I've seen and the guy that told me about it, that if you're not doing that with your pups, you are missing the boat. Huh. I'll send you a link on it, yeah, but I'll have to look I, it's that. days three through 17 okay. and it takes about five, it takes about three minutes a pup. Yeah. And I can tell you that I have seen the results of guys that have started doing it and they're like, holy crap, how did we not know this? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I know it. You ought to know it. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I think that, I think that's a huge thing, but. I just, I let them be puppies. I play with them and um, just like little squeaky toys and all that. I let them raise cane with those. And, um, you know, I don't think the coyote tail, it's not any different than it. I don't think you're going to scare one with the coyote tail. Yeah. But the, the, my main thing, and I've talked to Seth about this, is I have found nothing. There's no simulation that I've found that is beneficial. You might be able to you know, have your call set out and how and take your dogs to it and let there be a reward there, you know, and eventually when they get a little older, maybe have a coon in a cage or something. And, you know, and I always want an older dog to kind of get them fired up type deal. But even at that, I want those dogs seven or eight months old. I don't want anything to scare those dogs, nothing. And that's, that's just how I do it, how I prefer to do it. I took Katie. She was not quite eight months old. And the way I see it, if I take a dog that's eight or nine months old and that dog gets rolled and it quits me, that dog was going to quit me if it got rolled at 15 months for the first time. Okay. If I take a dog that's six months old right. and I get that dog rolled, that's on me. Right. That's on me. You don't, you don't take your seventh grade stud running back and put him in a varsity game and let a 220 pound linebacker knock right. his helmet off. All of a sudden it's no fun no more. It's no fun anymore. Yeah. And, um, another thing, uh, with the dogs is I used to let the stands go a little longer than I should. Okay. Cause I just, I love it. Yeah. It's like anything else. You know, coyote comes back second, third time, it's time to start killing. Number one, if say it's your first stand in the morning, I don't want to run my dogs into the dirt if I've got two, a couple more stands lined up for that morning. And 
I keep my dogs, um, I give them electrolytes, just the paste that comes for horses, mm -hmm. yep. give them about a dime size of that when I'm hunting, um, make sure, obviously make sure that they've got plenty of water, but those electrolytes are a game changer. Oh, yeah. But, um, I don't let stands go on and on and on and on. Yeah. Um, a uh, big thing like like with these terriers a lot of these guys egos get their dogs killed not that you're going to get a decoy dog killed letting the stand go a little farther than it should right. but i don't want to burn a dog out right yeah i don't want to burn a dog out yeah a lot of good information good good tips and again man this is what works for me yeah. there's different <laughs> terrains every dog's different and i don't argue with anybody over their tactics if you're doing something like i said if you want to set your dog on the hood of your truck and drive around the section before you make your stand if that works for you by all means put your dog on the hood of your truck and drive around the section before you make your stand right. Right. <laughs> I, I just, you know because you got terrain differences in terrain I've decoyed coyotes in Montana, South Dakota, Arkansas, Kansas, New Mexico, Texas, and Oklahoma. And everything's a little bit different. I've been in West Texas and see a coyote 150 yards, and the next time I see it, it's 15 yards. Right. You know, so there's just lots of variables. and But I think the main thing, and th now this is going to sound really far-fetched, but there's a a bull rider named Gary LaFue, they call him yeah. the guru. Yeah. He's from the 70s. And he's real big. There was a book called Psycho-Cybernetics where you do all these mind exercises and all this stuff. Okay. And then he got to where he talks about humans' brain waves are alpha and beta, and then animals think on theta and delta. I think that's the ones that are animals. But anyway, they are on a lower frequency. Okay. And he said he would literally be at a bull riding and have the crappiest bull drawn and be down there by the chutes and communicate with this bull like, man, today is our day. You are going to go out there. You're going to buck like you've never bucked. Before. And since I listened to that a few years ago, I can tell you that when I keep my cool with these dogs and I'm on that level and they're looking forward to seeing me and we're on a stand and we're doing all that, uh, as crazy as it sounds, I think that is, is a big deal. Huh? Yeah. I'll, I'll have I'll, to look into that. I will send you the podcast and there's a lot of him BSing and stuff, but just like the guys at the NFR in the bull ride and what, whatever the percentage was that his students won, it's astronomical. It's crazy. A lot right. of people don't like him. He's kind of, he's a little, got a little bit of arrogance to him, but you know what I've found with people that are, that are on the high end of their game and that are this and that, you, you've got to have some self-confidence and it might borderline arrogance, but the content of his message, I use it every day huh. for a lot of things. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like you said earlier, you know, everybody does their own thing a little bit differently and, and how they got to where they're at a little bit differently. And, and all we can do is try to take bits and pieces and, and take what works for us, little bits and pieces of what works for us and implement it into whatever we're doing. So, uh, yeah, and that's, you know, my thing is I'm, I started hunting when I was 40, I'm 53 now. Okay. And man, the first seven or eight years I hunted 150 days a year. 
I'd get off work. I would come home. I'd load my dogs. I'd drive 75 miles one way to one of my 80 percenters yeah. that I knew eight times out of 10, I was going to call in some coyotes that were going to work a dog. Yeah. And I'd go make that stand. Most of the time it worked. Come home. Next day, I knew where I was going. And, and that's all I did. I hunted my butt off. My dog's paws were worn out. <laughs> and I, I made a lot of mistakes. And I learned a lot of, lot of handy little tricks and stuff. And I always, you know, I try to, you know, I'm really pretty cut and dry. I don't powder coat things. Yeah. I just tell people, hey, this this is the deal. This is what I do. This is what works for me. Um, uh, then, then they're like, well, I read over here. Where did, 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 did. I said, here's what I would suggest. Find somebody that has dogs. Watch their videos. Watch their dogs. Find somebody that has dogs like you want your dogs to be. Right. Get your information from them. And I said, what you're going to find is most of these guys that you're reverting back to their information don't even have dogs. They're telling you something they've <laughs> yeah, read. That's right. Or they have a companion on stand, and that's fine too. If that if a guy's going out with a dog that doesn't go more than twenty feet and bark, yep. and that I that's awesome, man. If that's what you enjoy, that that's outstanding. Um, you know that's fine. Yep. That's not what works for me, but right. if it works for you, that's all that matters. Right. Nope. That's I all 100% that matters. Agree. So let me ask you this real quick on on your dogs. Um, do you try to make them do certain things on stand or do you just let them roll with what they're going to be? I can't make a dog do anything. Yeah, there you go. I can't. They, they, every dog that I've had, they kind of develop their own style. Yep. Um, I can tell you that the two that I've got right now, if I had a remote control and a joystick and I could control them and operate them, I, and I'm, I'm not bragging on me or anything that I've done. I've just got lucky and got two dogs that are like this. I'd put the remote control down and I'd let them do what they do because yep. they're spot on 90 plus percent of the time. Yeah. And honestly, I don't even think I'd run a collar on mine except that dang rip dog. If he, he'll run a coyote a mile and a half if he, if I let well, him. Well, <laughs> I was in New Mexico and we were on a stand as the last stand of the evening. And we had these coyotes come in and it was hot and heavy. Yeah. And I had girl dog, Katie, and Poot. And all of a sudden, Poot's gone. Yeah. And she had seizures. I had to give her some stuff called Kepra. I don't know if she had a seizure. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Uh -huh. But we couldn't find her. And we looked for for two solid days. We had volunteer fire department out there, thermals, everything, everything. And I just figured, you know, she's gone. She get in the ground or went, what? I, I went, huh? She get in the ground or what? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Uh, went home 11 days later, got a phone call at three in the morning. And the guy said, Hey, are you missing a dog? And I'm like, yeah, I figured she's dead on the highway. Right. He goes, well, I've got her. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. It was less than 10 minutes. And my wife and I were headed to Lovington, New Mexico, Wow. Or Jap, How far New away Mexico. is that? Uh, 11, 12 hours. You think somebody picked her up? No, no. They found her 12 miles from where we last saw her. Oh. It was out in the middle of the oil field at a station where they load the trucks and all that. Uh -huh. 
And um, the guy that worked at the station, a, a fella pulls up in his truck and he goes, hey, man, your your dog got out. And he goes, I don't have a dog. So this guy goes and catches her and calls me. And she was she was in rough shape. But little 10-pound dog made it 11 days Jeez. out there in the desert on her own. So and, um, go ahead. Sorry. But, but what I, I, I kind of got off track there, but <laughs> that we were setting literally when we got up, and started looking for, we weren't 30 feet from a den of pups. Oh no. yeah. yeah. So I didn't. And like I said, I got sidetracked. I don't even know where I was going. With that. So, so you mentioned that, uh, that, uh, you know, you had some stands that were 80%, right. Or, or yes. you know, you kind of knew that there's a high percentage. If you go to that spot, you're going to, I think a lot of guys, um, you know, in, in my area, I expect to see a coyote one in four stands out here. Okay. So mm-hmm. I, th- how long did it take you to, to get those spots where, you know, there was high percentage, what was your failure rate in the beginning? Do you think, um, until you got Man. more consistent? <laughs> I went one summer, I drove 4,400 miles between coyotes. Oh boy. Yeah. It was like, I went, I don't know, a month and didn't see a coyote in the middle of the summer. It's like, what is going on? And, um, but I don't know. A lot of the ground that I hunt, it's places down there where I grew up and I wasn't in there. But I'm familiar with the terrain and stuff, right. and I, I just learned where my coyotes were. Right. I don't have to do a lot of locating because right. I know where they're at. Right. They're not, it's not like we're on a big 5,000 acre of nothing. Yeah. You know, there's, there's mile sections all, you know, right. it's cut up in sections and half sections. And tree lines and, and fields cut that yeah. up. Yeah. 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 And now I, I'm a deer hunter now. I became a deer hunter last year. Okay. Yeah. But <laughs> we bought a place that has deer on it, so Good. I'm a deer hunter now. Nice. But I can't look at a Google Earth picture and tell you where to put your deer stand. Yeah. I can tell you pretty good where the coyotes are going to be. Right. Now, go go 45 minutes north of here, up to Osage County in the Tallgrass Prairie. Uh-huh. That's the most beautiful grass you've ever seen in your life. Uh-huh. But it's rocky. You can't hardly walk across it. It's so rocky. Okay. And I can't tell you how to hunt that we hunt it um (laughs) we do good here and there but i can't tell you this is where we need to be and usually this is where we need to be is such a walk in that brutal terrain that it's not worth it yeah my stuff around here i can i got a pretty good idea where the coyotes are going to be well and see i guess that was my main point is you know i think a lot of guys whether it's a decoy you run in decoy dogs or whether it's just coyote hunting right Mm-hmm. A lot of guys fail and fail and fail and fail and fail. And they see, a, you know, YouTube videos and they hear, you know, stories like you say, you know, I got an 80% stand and yada, yada. And they think either they think, yeah, that's bull crap. Or they think, man, I just don't have the country these guys hunt. And like well, I said, I've, I've got a, I, my, I expect to see a coyote one in four stands. It took me a long time to get to that point even. You know what I mean? Out here in well, this country. I, you know, I hunted deer as a kid. I never had anywhere worth the crap to hunt, so yeah. I never learned about deer. Yeah. I had places that had coyotes, so 
I was able to learn about coyotes through having access to coyotes. And I've got places that I go, man, I'll sit on the side of a hill and just watch for two hours, three hours, might see six or seven coyotes cross this place. Not worried about shooting them, just watching them. Where'd they come from? Where'd they go? What'd this one do when he crossed that one's path? Blah, 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 blah. I have killed coyotes at high noon when it was 105 degrees out and killed everything that day between 11 and one o'clock the next day kill between seven and nine the next day kill it seven in the evening there's no nothing that i can tell you changes or i i don't know yeah um i i don't have anything as far as and a lot of people like oh man it's just too hot they're yeah they're probably not going to be up on their feet but they've got to live they've got to you know they're going to obviously we're not going out there after their stomach the time of year we hunt right but you know, they hear something or that, you know, they're not just going to lay around, especially, you know, if you're close, close to the den or close to their pups. But I, uh, I'm not as hardcore as I used to be. I'm not going to hunt at noon when it's 105 degrees out anymore. Well, and not only, not just for your sake, but the dogs, I quit at 10, 30, 11, you know what I mean? Just because of the dogs. Yeah. And I'm, you know, where I'm at, there's, plenty of creeks plenty of ponds right. and i i keep you know i keep a bowl and I, a gallon of water and all that so yeah. they and if i'm not getting into anything you know they're not worn down but that comes back to okay that second stand you made this morning you let it go on for three or four minutes longer than it should have you kind of burned your dogs down yeah. where if you get into a good stand on your next one they're going to be able to do everything you want them to do or you know you've got to be conscious of that yeah in my opinion. So, so when do you kind of um, quit hunting decoy dogs, you know, for the for the year? Now? Yeah. And I'll take, like, you know, when I go in the, in the uh, fall and winter, I'll take dogs occasionally. But a lot of times I won't even call. I'll just go somewhere and turn dogs out and just let them go play and do whatever they want to do. And the the terrier in both of these dogs is strong. Yeah. I mean, it is strong. Fortunately, they're not small enough that they can go into a hole and disappear. Off. Yeah. Right. But, but I mean, they're, they're terrorizing coons. They're, they're digging, trying to dig stuff up, whatever. I just let them go do what they want to do. Right. And, and I'll make a stand or two here and there but with these dogs, because they're both four and they're i don't know that a dog's ever finished but if you these dogs are as close to finished as i think a guy could ask for if i shoot if i'm calling and they're they're doing something and they're not seeing the coyote come in and i stop the coyote at 100 yards and shoot him it's not detrimental to my cause with my dogs it's not like they're gonna learn they're gonna think oh that's what we're doing every time right so, but now, do I want to go do that day in and day out? Absolutely not. Yep. But occasionally just to, to nail one like that. And if they see them and because, you know, when they come in, say three weeks from now, or even now, maybe and they see those dogs. They're not, they're not interested. No, they're not. And, you know, I'll get them stopped and shoot them or I'll let them come in. A lot of times I've had dogs and coyotes literally be 10 yards from each other before they ever saw each other yep, on a golf either. course yep. type setting. Yep. And I'll, I'll let the dogs chase them off. I'll let them run them a couple hundred yards yep. and then just tone them back. I don't care. Um, 
with young dogs, I'd be a little more particular about stuff like that. But well, but um, right now is a good time to actually train a young pup. Like if if you got a pup, pick up a pup in like January, be like what eight nine months old right now. Just let yep. them run those those pups off. Who cares? You know, yep. those, those little cow yep. pups. Let them get, oh, yeah. get an idea yeah. that, you, yeah, that's what we're trying to do is run them off. So. Yeah, I don't, yeah. If you can get a, a dog to go to a coyote, then that's awesome. Yep. And, but, anyway. Well, man. Yeah, I don't. Oh, go ahead. I, I sure appreciate you getting on the podcast. You've given a lot of good content here. I, I, uh, I think... Uh, I, I I definitely picked up a few tips. <laughs> I'm I am actually yeah. gonna go get some electrolytes. I never even thought about that. I I always carry water, but yeah, uh, it, well, it'd be I, good to you carry know, some electrolyte. I was really lucky. The guys that taught me and were willing to teach me, um, you know, Jeff Ryder. I hunted a bunch with Jeff and Kelly, and uh, they're you know, uh, Randy, Cal, yeah. those guys being willing to, you know, help me out. And they, they didn't spoon feed me. They made me earn every bit of it, but they, they helped me. And I was really lucky to learn from guys that sure enough knew the game. Well, and I think that's important that they didn't spoon feed you because Absolutely. The, you Absolutely. have to learn your style. And not only that, and I've said this, you know, multiple times, your dog will teach you more than what anybody else could. And, and that oh, yeah. dog might be, you know, a fresh dog. It might be a year and a half, a 15-month-old dog. But you learning with that dog is more important than just going and buying a, a four-year-old, quote-unquote, finished dog, right? You're not going to learn yeah. crap. You, yeah, I think it's more important to learn with your dog and and uh, learn the mistakes. I I do think that this is a very forgiving sport as far as making mistakes. Um, there's some that I think are very detrimental, obviously letting a pup get bit too early or, you know, um, but I think it's a forgiving sport when you're learning. Would you agree? Yeah. And the, that's the thing you've got to keep making stands. Yeah. Oh, hundreds, hundreds, if not stands. thousands before mm-hmm. that dog. Anyway. And, you know, and now the amount of coyotes that will work a dog compared to six or seven years ago is drastically less so um it's it's tougher than it used to be why do you think that is man i don't know i i think they're educated i remember talking with kelly years ago he goes he goes one thing i don't think they'll ever figure out and i'm like what's that he said howls but that's back before everybody was howling that's back before everybody was playing fight sounds and um it's just tougher uh I know guys that killed two or three coyotes a year. Then they got thermal yeah. and they started killing now 12 or 15 slayers. a month. Yeah. And that's a huge difference. Yeah. That's a huge I difference. Agree. That's been two years ago. Yeah. They're back to killing two or three a month. Yeah. They're not as effective as they were. So they don't really understand what they're doing as much as some other people might. But I think just the pressure, the increased pressure, um, everybody's got an electronic call. Everybody, you know, gosh, they'll, they have so many contests around here. There's guys that'll run to Bass Pro and buy a $200 call and enter a contest. Yeah, that's right. And then, you know, they might just have, their uncle's 40 and their grandma's 80 
but what's bad about that, a lot of those 40s and 80s are places that I've had for years. Right. And now the relatives are hunting it. (laughs) But I think it's just, I think it's increased pressure. Um, Talked to Jeff about it uh, not too long ago. Uh, Fox Pro was up there and they got some pretty good footage, some in your face type stuff. But he guides a lot of um, decoy dog hunts. And he's like, man, he's like, it's just, you know, back where I used to expect to get three or four good working stands, I'm happy to just have one decent one. Right. Well, so my so. opinion, of course, it's just opinion. Okay. okay. Hey, that's all <laughs> any of this is. <laughs> uh, with these decoy dogs, we typically we're getting the aggressive coyotes, right? The the more aggressive coyotes are the ones that are working the dogs. The timid coyotes, they're hanging back. They're, you know what I mean? Well, if we're killing off, you know, primarily aggression out of, out of, it's just evolution, a, a form of I, evolution. I agree a hundred percent. We're killing my a lot of the aggression out of the, the population. My 80 percenters are 80 percenters for two to three years. Yeah. And then when you knock the age structure of those coyotes down in that area, yeah. absolutely. I agree with what you said a hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's again, just my opinion. I'm no biologist. I'm no scientist. Oh, me, no... me either. But I, I have, you know, my 80 percenters, what were 80 percenters three years ago aren't now. Oh. I've acquired, I've got a couple of new ones, but I sure don't have as many as I used to have. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think so. I think that has a lot to do with it. Anyway. But, well, man, thanks for getting on the podcast with me. It's been a pleasure to visit with you. Um, you know, you said that you're kind of hanging the dogs up for the year, and as, as are most of us, I think, um, that uh, that do this. But uh, it's it's been a pleasure. And uh, it, how does somebody get a hold of you if they want to chat with you about decoying in your area? Uh, they can find me on Facebook, uh, just Scott Hampton. And then uh, my phone number is 918. 918- nine zero two two one five seven and then i've got instagram it's s hampton 1970 or something like that <laughs> it's probably the one with the dog and the coyote in the picture right so if somebody's probably, having a, having likely. trouble picking out which scott hampton yeah. it is <laughs> anything i have on social media will be me and poop yeah. or poop so it's pretty easy to figure yeah, that i one think out. your facebook is it must be pooed i guess standing yes. over a coyote uh yeah, and then the one the one picture where she's standing on my chest. No, oh. that's that's like the day we got back with her from being lost oh, in New Mexico yeah. for eleven days. Nice. Yeah. Huh. All right, man. Well, sure appreciate it, and uh, best of luck to you. Thank you. All right, sir. Like to thank Scott for joining us on the podcast. Be sure to get a hold of him. Uh, you can find him on Instagram or Facebook, or uh, you know he threw his phone number out there. So be sure to get a hold of him. Uh, guys, we're winding down. It's the end of the season. Uh, right now it's towards the end of, of September, but, uh, it's been a great season. Uh, give me your stories. Let's, uh, let's hear about them. If you got somebody you want me to get on, visit with over the winter, uh, let me know. I'd love to do it. Uh, appreciate you joining us on the decoy doggers podcast. Good dogs.